You're listening to the official podcast of Asbury University, produced by students with God-honoring conversations that inform, edify, and encourage. This is Asbury. We explore culture and current topics through a Christian worldview, promoting a well-balanced life, and we empower our community to belong, become, and be set apart. I'm your host, Abby Lobb. Welcome to This is Asbury. Today we have a really cool guest because she works for The Collegian, which is Asbury's student newspaper. This has a soft spot in my heart because I also worked for my college paper. All I think all four years I was in school, and so I love meeting fellow college newspaper people. So welcome, Caitlin McRacken. You're a junior studying English and sociology. So the reason I wanted to talk to you is because you had a great column in The Collegian about ChatGPT, and you were like, enough! enough. <laughs> We're all yeah. over it. In fact, I think you opened it and you said something like, I don't want to hear those words ever again. Yeah. Cause you go to a class, you go to a chapel and it's like, it's going to be talked about Yeah, and it needs to be talked about, yes. but it's still frustrating. Yeah. So, What's yeah. frustrating about it to you? I think because I don't feel like there are as many people who think positively about it as generally people would think. And I think especially as a student, to be fair, I am a completely skewed sample because largely what (laughs) I do is the realm where jobs could be lost. And largely the things I want to do are going to be the things most influenced by this, like writing. Well, um, and you actually enjoy to write. Yes. Whereas some people don't. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that it's frustrating because to me, it seems so obviously negative And I recognize that there are positive sides of it, especially in realms that I know very little about, like economics and like business. And there are positive ways that it might be used. But I think the entire time I've just been waiting for the moment where the world is going to say, hey, this is bad and let's stop. Yeah. Yeah. And it just hasn't happened. Right. And it's continuing to go on. And as it continues to go on, And as ChatGPT and other AI programs continue to get stronger and better, it's especially scary because I also I work for the Collegian, but I work for the Asbury Review, which is our creative outlet. So that's where we publish poetry and creative nonfiction and fiction pieces. And I did not realize that we're having to now have this conversation surrounding those creative pieces because I always assumed these can emulate a kind of analytical kind of writing that you see in newspapers. That's a very, very common thing that I wasn't necessarily surprised by. But when I was hearing that larger literary magazines are now having to put statements in their submission information against it, I didn't realize that it's getting better at things like poetry and things that take a lot more humanity to create. Because now the issue is that you can say, write me a poem. You can say, write me a poem, and it might write you a little silly limerick. But now you can say, write me a poem in the style of Wendell Berry. And it's going to spit something out. Yeah, yeah. And in a way, on the surface level, that can look so accurate that it is actively growing and spreading. And I think if we don't start taking steps back soon, Yeah, this problem is going to get 
infinitely worse very quickly. Yeah, because it takes away jobs, but it also takes away from the human experience. You said in your column you described AI as, quote, a failed attempt to make the human experience easier. Can you explain that view? I think that's brilliant. Yeah, I think I said something about, like, I would love for us to be able to write it off and just say that it's not to add meaning to anything. It is to make life easier. Automation. Yeah. I don't know if I used this in the article. If I didn't, I probably should have. My dad is a pastor and used the illustration that I'm sure he got from somewhere else of us being a microwave culture and the idea that as things continue to get faster for us, we get less and less patient. Mm -hmm. So our chapel speaker today talked about the average, you will wait seven seconds for a movie to download, and if it doesn't, you will find another movie. Wow. (laughs) So we live in a very, very fast culture. I think the issue with the chat GPT conversation is it boils down to, like, yeah, you're right, this will make our lives easier. Is that better? Yeah. And I think it addresses some much larger cultural questions that we have to ask Mm -hmm. of... Not just is this easier, because I think unanimously we could say it will make life easier. I think my guiding question for the article and for how I think about AI and ChatGPT is where do we sacrifice meaning for ease? Yeah. Well, your generation, not like ChatGPT has been around since you were kids, but you have grown up in a culture where everything is easy. I mean, you've You've grown up with phones, you've grown up with streaming, you've grown up with everything to make your life easier. But would you say that you feel like your generation, you're better off as a result? I feel like we're a generation riddled with anxiety because we move so fast and because things became easier. So the expectation became higher. Yes. The expectation was probably do more as a result. Yeah, exactly. We no longer have to research a paper in the library for hours and hours so yeah there's a way that that became easier but where did the expectation get lower and where did it get higher and i think with how fast culture has begun to go the expectation is that we move quickly mm-hmm. our generation has not really known much else yeah so i think when i have conversations with people who are in older generations and they make these comments about like, well, I think your generation is so riddled with anxiety because A, B, or C, the world changing and all these events. And I also think it's like, sometimes I'm the first to call out issues with my generation, but I think sometimes I'm like, largely we are dealing with the consequences of a society that you created. Right. Right. Previous generations have created a society that is so fast moving, so success oriented over happiness oriented. Mm -hmm. And I find that really interesting. I think that that is why we see the largest amount of suicide rates among the most successful people. Right. Because we have misconstrued success for happiness. Mm -hmm. And we now, uh, Generation Z and below, we are dealing with the consequences of that. And I think in a way it's things like this are so appealing to our generation because if we can't have the meaning, because that's already kind of been like siphoned out, if we can't have the meaning, at least we can have more ease. Mm -hmm. So naturally we see our generation kind of just clinging to something that makes it at least easier. Yeah. So at the same time, yeah, like your generation, and I say this because my kids are also in Gen Z, like they, if they couldn't, you know, stream something or watch the next episode, they're like, what? So they are benefiting from these things, but it's like, well, is that a benefit? Or is that just teaching them like, no, you can have everything you want right now. Like, no, that's actually doing them a disservice. So I think one thing like from my childhood that I've always told my kids and I've actually 
told some of the student workers here at Asbury because it's just funny. Like, there's so many weekends growing up when it's like you were just bored and you couldn't just like stream something or like look something up. No, you just found something to do and you were bored and you just piddled around and like you hardly have to do that anymore. But like what you learn from that experience and also just like the peace that you get from it, you can't replace that with anything else. And the reality is like when you're bored, that's when you have the best thoughts. Yes. yes. <laughs> and I think also we see by creating a culture where boredom is like the worst thing, yes. like you don't allow yourself to be yes. bored. We are very much seeing that quality of thought is tanking. Yeah. And I think the process of writing with ChatGPT the largest issue is that the process of writing is so integral to thinking. Mm -hmm. And if we are no longer writing, we don't know how to organize our thoughts in a way that not only can be communicated to other people, yes, that is important, but can be further understood by us. So I work for the Collegian, I write articles weekly, I write poetry, I'm the poetry editor for the review. Writing is integral to the way I as a human being function. And I can recognize that not everyone is like that. So I don't want to go into this with a lofty English major kind of yeah. thought. <laughs> right. But really, there's a reason that journaling is so important. There's a reason that externalizing ideas helps us organize them in a way that helps us understand our thoughts. Because understanding your own thoughts is not an easy thing. And by making writing an external thing that we no longer do to grapple with our thoughts, I think we're going to see not only less quality in writing, we're going to see a lot more confusion because I don't think the big thoughts are just going to go away. I don't think this is necessarily going to create a generation of people who are just stupid and have no don't intelligent have thoughts. thoughts. <laughs> right. I think that that's something that people kind of who bash uh, ChatGPT will cling to is like, it's going to create a stupid generation. And the issue is, for me is... We are going to have people who have the same feelings, same big feelings, same big thoughts that we have, and no tools to express it. And what does that do to a person? This book is more about gender, but A Room of One's Own by Virginia Woolf. She has a woman who does not have the tools to express her genius, and she talks about what are the consequences of that. Basically, she proposes a situation where what if Shakespeare had an equally as brilliant sister? No. Oh. Huh. What would yeah. what would she do? Because at the mm -hmm. time, she didn't have the tools to express that genius in the way that Shakespeare did. And that's such an important question with the gender conversation and in other areas. What is this next generation going to do if they no longer have the tools to talk about these big universal things and to experience them for themselves? So speaking of tools, have you ever been, oh, I'm tired, I don't want to write this paper. Have you ever been tempted to just try ChatGPT? Have you ever said, like, oh, gosh, this would just today, this would be so much easier? That's the thing. I respect myself <laughs> and my professors too yes. much for that. Yes. In my article, I quote Dr. Erin Penner, who is an English professor here, and her central claim is that accountability is the core part of this, mm -hmm. that when you write something, you are accountable for the things that you have put into the world. And when we have a very small school where, like, you have relationships with your professors, so I am accountable for the things that I do. She actually, in true English major fashion, sent me a letter <laughs> that she basically was just like, pull quotes from this. These are my thoughts. Yeah. And she talked about the beneficial aspect of writing as giving my writing to someone else 
in an accountable way where it is a communal activity where they build it up and they tear it down where it needs to be. And that's, again, slipping into the very lofty English major kind of way to think about this. Largely, my professors know me and they would call me out immediately. Yeah, they would. Like, they also, <laughs> and the thing is, they know my writing. Right. So on a practical level, no. I think I've used ChatGPT for personal curiosity. Yeah. I've never turned it in anywhere. Right. I think just... See what all the fuss is about. Yeah. Last <laughs> semester, I wrote a chat GPT article that was much less researched. Uh-huh. It was when the conversation was first happening, and I was like, this is a scary thing. And I actually had chat GPT write me an opinion piece against artificial intelligence in chat GPT. And it did. And wow. I inserted a part of that into the article and said, like, if you guys saw this published in the Collegian, you would probably assume it's someone. My personal goal in the past especially year or two of school, has been not just going into it for the grades, but going into it for actually learning. And what is the point of college if we start losing things like that? Mm -hmm. Why are you paying as much as you are paying a year if you're just getting through and you're not going to gain the information to do whatever you want for a career or to be the person that you want to be? What has been the response to your opinion editorial, your column about ChatGPT a couple weeks ago? Have you heard from people about it? I think it's probably the article I've heard the most about. I also wrote an article about the Barbie movie. That's probably the Ah, next one ah, just because ah. pop culture maybe might have usurped it. Um, Ah. But Yes, I I did hear people talking about that one as well. I heard that one talked about a lot, but I think this was the one that because the conversation is so prominent on campus, I've heard a lot of people talking about and um, talk to a lot of professors about and I think the overall response is like yes absolutely there's the writer side of me that obviously is frustrated with chat GPT and then there's the actor side of me that now I'm being told hey you want to be a background actor in movies we'll pay you a hundred bucks a day and we'll scan your whole body um, right. and we can just use it use in any movie again. we want to yeah over and over and over Ugh. again and that's horrifying (laughs) so I think I've heard a lot of good feedback specifically because the circles that I run in are largely the people who are finding the most issue with this does seeing all that pushback give you hope or do you still feel quite nervous about the way this is all going I think it's hard because it is a cultural issue that is like if we don't handle the underlying cultural issues I don't think this is going to go away what are some of those underlying cultural issues that you feel contribute I think productivity over anything else what we were saying about such a fast-paced culture that it's what you make is more important than who you are and that can sound like a very idealistic idea yeah Um, i mean automation for the sake of corporate cost savings has been happening forever you know and i think more in ways it's so exciting because we by this i think could push us to have those underlying cultural conversations that could have positive impact in every realm So in a way, it's so encouraging because I think that this could be the thing that pushes that. But we have seen, especially in the business and economic world, I think, that the reality is there are other motivators. And the question right now is, are those motivators stronger? Right. And And then sometimes, though, you'll see, you know, human creativity will always rise above. And, okay, there's a whole new industry now that will start because of this sector that was a little, I mean, that's happened forever yeah. you know so but it is curious though to think well just given how powerful this is mm-hmm. like especially is because it different i think it was actually dr brown that said this but he kind of pointed out that every single time this has happened it's created something right but then right. this is new this is a step above what that has been before because it's a bit more alive yes right? i still handwrite sometimes yeah. because it helps but like that was still your thoughts going 
out into the world. This is integrally changing that in a way that's, I think, very, very scary. And I also just think that with the productivity over all else, we also have the money over all else. It's really cheap to make a movie with completely AI. What is it like to work for the school newspaper? I love that the school newspaper is still a thing. It still prints. I've got a copy here. You know, you guys print it once a week. Mm -hmm. How has that been? I think we are going into a very big year. Elections are coming up. There's a lot happening in the world. So it's always interesting to be on a newspaper during times like those. I also think just with Asbury and the shifts happening after Revival, it's been a really good chance to kind of talk about the reality of change that's going to happen. It's a really cool opportunity for students to grow. Every meeting we have, we try to focus on campus news, then local news, then world news. Because if you want world news, you can go anywhere. Right. But yeah. nothing can do local news and community news yeah. like a newspaper yeah. that solely does Definitely. ours. So I think that that's a really cool opportunity for us. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I read it to find out what's going on, especially among students, because I, I don't always know. What are students talking about? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's why we're having this conversation right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what are some of the changes, you know, you mentioned after Revival, what have some of the changes been that you've observed? The most obvious being the very large class and the fact that we are not a large campus and it happened so quickly yeah. that like I know our administration is doing their absolute best but like naturally there was going to be an adjustment yeah. period um, <laughs> yeah. it happened so quickly especially like it wasn't like the revival happened in the fall and right. we had the spring semester yeah. to prepare. we had a summer Yeah, and I think adapting to that the classic conversation I believe we had someone just write an article about like there's no parking. Um, <laughs> yeah. But on a, on a, on a, like, more... Which always cracks me up, because I went to college, like, in the middle of a city, yeah. and there was never parking. No. And it's like, well, because every like, other college luck. I applied to, like, freshmen weren't even allowed to have cars. Yeah, yeah, so there was no space. And now it was like, I was like, oh, that's so stupid. And now that I'm seeing it, I'm, I'm going... That's why. Oh, that's why. Okay, I understand. But... I think there's, like, the very practical levels yeah. of that, long lines of the, the cafeteria. cafeteria. I like, did notice that the first week, like, whoa, look at that line. <laughs> yeah. Seems like they've gotten it under and control. I think, I think it's particularly noticeable because we also, last freshman class was also larger. Mm-hmm. And so I think now it's, like, classes were a little bit smaller and they're leaving to usher in, like, larger classes. So overall campus feels a bit, like, yeah. more cramped. So we've we've written about the practical aspects of that. But also a change in dynamic of students mm-hmm for better or for worse. I think that there's a conversation going on right now about the revival was good and spiritually pushed us. Let's not worship revival. We are worshiping a God who works through the everyday and the mundane. And I think there are a lot of students who, with this freshman class, there have been some rumblings of like let's make it happen again oh yeah and i think in first of all that phrase (laughs) let's make it happen again yeah problematic for many reasons i think that's probably happened after every single historical revival (laughs) event at asbury (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah and i also my grandparents were here for the 70s revival my parents were here for the one in the 90s wow and we're now seeing like the, they, they've said that, yeah, like there are those rumblings, but mm-hmm. they're like, I don't know how to help you with this one yeah. because <laughs> social media and the yes. internet yeah. changed the game completely. Yeah. Like yeah, didn't different have monster that you were 300 million uh, hashtags back in Even 1970. Collegi- oh, goodness. <laughs> the Collegian is so like the transition for the Collegian has been a little bit scary because yet we deal with the normal transition of losing some staff, trying to gain some staff. 
we also gained thousands and thousands you of really followers. Did. People, yeah, reporters who were coming to me would reference articles yeah. in the Collegian. Yeah. yeah, and so like with the with the attention on the Collegian, that's re- that's yeah. really scary. It's intimidating. Um, but you guys are doing a great job though. Yeah, and I think we have a very strong staff and the revival showed us just how much the Collegian is no, it's not the New York Times. We don't write all of these articles about major world events because that's not what we're made for. We have a local paper to cover local things, and we can't do that like anyone else. Yep. And mm-hmm. I think that has pushed the Collegian to try to grow in that aspect, talk about what the students are talking about, whether it be news, opinion, feature. Like, as opinion editor, I really want to focus more on really addressing the conversations among students because it's great when you have the, like, generic what we call evergreen topics yeah. that yeah you can read those and go that's interesting what's going to get a student who largely has everything on their phone to pick up a paper right. a topic that they're interested yeah, in exactly whether it's news features or opinion or, or sports i'm not a sports person so i frequently forget that last part which is kind of problematic <laughs> but yeah really nothing's going to get people reading like things that they're interested in yeah well, and that's just your one act of rebellion against chat GPT. You know, we're going to do this. We're going to do it really well. And students are going to care about this. Yeah. And a robot didn't write it. So. And I, yeah. And I think that's why in my personal writing style, I've kind of I've noticed myself gravitating a little bit more toward less formal because I want people who read that to know that it was me. Yeah. I want to leave what Prof Maneri's, our journalism prof, he refers to it as the like fingerprint of the writer. Yeah. And I'm trying to prioritize that more. When I'm editing with people who are contributing as well, like what you're saying this in a very formal way. What do you have to say? Mm -hmm. Because I don't just want to hear the ideas. I want to hear you. And I think that's obviously opinion. It's that's not so much the same for news. Yeah, you don't want to do that for news. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, There's a reason I'm the opinion editor and not the news editor. (laughs) But I think trying to push for that because what is going to make us realize ChatGPT is not good other than seeing the alternative that yes. is good. So yes. I think I mentioned that actually in my Barbie article. Yeah. It's great to see during the writer strike, Barbie and Oppenheimer, two movies drastically completely different, different. <laughs> and completely in the voice of their creators. Yeah. You cannot have artificial intelligence come up with something like those two movies. Yeah. They're so in, they're so integrated in the voice of their creators and the actors and everyone who made them that you cannot just copy and paste right. anything and create movies of that quality. No. So I think I'm excited to see maybe our culture's response being creating more from individual voices and maybe seeing the difference between, yeah, maybe in the next year or so there's going to be a lot created by AI. And I think a valid solution would be cool so creators keep creating yeah work your butt off yeah and like create and show that no matter what this can do what we make is better yes what yes. human beings make is going to be better yeah yeah don't just say oh well too yeah. bad yeah make something better get a, di- get well, a different career <laughs> uh, right <laughs> yeah well i think that's a good place to close that's very encouraging anything else that you want to add keep reading real people's writing keep yes. seeing movies keep engaging with that's creation right. Well, thank you so much for joining us for this episode of This is Asbury. To learn more about Asbury University, visit asbury.edu.